Hi, this is Gary Burgum. Welcome to a special programme. Bishop Auckland's Heritage Action Zone has been established to revitalise the historic market town and to help regenerate it as a vibrant place for locals, businesses and visitors. Working in partnership with Durham County Council, the Brighter Bishop Auckland Regeneration Partnership and local people through an advisory group, the aim is to strengthen the town's economic, social and cultural regeneration through grants, specialist support, community events and other activities. The Heritage Action Zone will build on major investment at Auckland Castle, which is transforming the traditional home of the Durham Prince Bishops into an international faith, art and heritage destination. On Saturday the 24th of September, at the Bishop Auckland Town Hall, a history fair took place as part of this year's Heritage Action Zone Festival. Bishop FM's Gillian Campbell and Katie Elliott were there to chat with some of the participants. In the next half hour, you will hear from resident Les Shoulder. You will hear from Julius Adrianus from Rome Antiqua, the Auckland Project's Michelle Armstrong. And you'll hear highlights from the Stan Laurel Walking Tour, led by Tom Hutchinson. We begin with Katie Elliott. With us today is... Mr. Les Shoulder, and he is a very, very long-standing resident of Bishop Auckland. Hello, Les. Hello, good. How are you doing? I am well, thank you. And Les, I hear that you used to live on the old Woodhouse estate. I lived at Woodhouse Close. That's been before from the traffic lights that come and get to Tinder, which was green fields. And what you know is Watling Road was then known as Hestwell Garden. There was houses all the way along the left, but not on the right. There's a chapel there on the right. Then the old fire station came from Bungard in 1950 and it was put up under one of the cabinet The ice cream man used to come around with horse and cars. You'd get a penny cornered, one penny cornered. That's when there was 240 pennies in a pound. You'd get 240 corners. That's amazing. So Bishop Auckland looked very, very different then than it looks now. Well, it was I worked on the buses for 25 years. And I remember in the early days, 1960s, 70s, we used to be running buses out of Bishop Auckland Marketplace at 10 o'clock at night and filling them and, and getting them filled. The market used to go on all day, Thursdays and Saturdays, busting. You couldn't walk up Yoga Street during the day in a summer's day without having to get off the footpath, let people through. It was a lively, busting place. Now it's a, it's, it's a nightmare. It's not a place. Uh, where the workhouse. Uh, it was what is now the General Hospital, came right down to Westcombe Road. And during the war, one part of it, the side on the small buildings, that was the Italian prisoner war camp. They used to walk out on the mall, walk up the street, sing in the Italian, and get barracked. <laughs> and the, the placement, you couldn't walk down Bishop Orton Place, down Newgate Street, without passing at least six placemen standing there. And they were placemen. When they said do something, you did it first. Or you've got a pair of gloves on your ear roll. And you said about going to the theatre. Oh, the end theatre, yes. It used to be pretty, pretty good. And when I was caught in the wife, 1952, 54, I used to book the stalls, the front, front row in the stalls, every Saturday night for the second half show. I used to pay with a £5 note and I got change for a full year. Well, there's... I've got to say, you don't look a day over 21, but can I ask how old you are, my love? I'm 91. Well, you know your, uh, you know your history then of Bishop Auckland. Bishop Auckland, well, I, I, Bishop Auckland, well, it's not the same as it is now. It's nowhere near that 
where you've got houses down during trade there at the bottom. That was Fringe's mill. The cock mill up to the old United garage. There's about 120 girls lived in there, worked in there, living in laundry. I remember the last one of the just outside of Bishop St. Helens. There's a, a clothing factory there for the girls. There's 400 girls worked in there. And my wife, she was a country singer in them days. If you remember during the war, they used to get a thing called Workers' Playtime on the radio. Can you remember that? And it was Joe Lawson and his band used to go around the country during the war. And, and I was entertained with these factories for the girls and the boys that were working in the factories. And my girl, my wife, sang on the radio. She was selected out of 400 girls at that thing to, to sing. It's, they wouldn't do it now. And these people looked after you and took care of you, even though it was small, small wages. But I had seven brothers and four sisters. Right? Well, took a bit of feeding with a big black leaded fire. Mm -hmm. He opened it this side. And my mother was an ex farmer's wife and daughter. And she could make a dinner say, out of nothing, next to nothing. Now it's everything in the microwave. It's not the same life. Not the same life. Well, my lovely, thank you so much for speaking to me and uh, I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you very much. Thank you. I've been involved with Binchester since I was eight years old. Because I lived in Binchester Village and we used to go and play in the remains when it was just a trapdoor in the middle of the field. So things developed from that. Um, so I've always had an interest in Bishop Auckland and the area around it. But it's... It's anything at all to promote this area because there's so much history here, it's unbelievable. Yeah, there certainly is. I mean, we don't, we, we, we don't know the half of it, do we, of what's um, up at Binchester? No. We've only uncovered a very small proportion. There's only about 1% we know about Binchester. People go up to Housesteads, Vindolanda, but you could put those forts into Binchester five times. And then you've got the civil settlement outside. Mm -hmm. But it's not just Binchester. Um, no matter where you put a road in, a path, anything, in Bishop Auckland, you'll find either Roman coins, pottery, or foundations. The Romans are all over this area. It must have been a major centre for Roman activity. If, if you look at it, uh, where Binchester is actually seated, in the north of Britain, it's right in the middle, and there are roads going out in every direction. Uh, across to Hartlepool, over to Alston, across to the Lake District. They went everywhere, and it was a nerve centre, where it had the biggest um, amount of soldiers anywhere in the north of Britain. There could, would have been roughly two, two to 3,000 soldiers there. So it was massive. So for my listeners, can you describe your uniform? Because this doesn't yes. look like a typical Roman centurion uniform. Well, what I am is what you call a Magister Militum. And that's where you get magistrates from. Right. Right? Because for all the Roman, like, uh, if you think of vicars, bishops, mm -hmm. diocese, are all Roman military. Okay. Um, and my, my period is 4th century. Now, you, people look at me and they think, oh, he's a Viking, he's a Norman. He's, no, I'm not. I'm Roman Germanic. Mm -hmm. um, 
People don't realise that you could never serve in your own country in the Roman army. So every single unit in Britain were from other countries. Now at Winchester there were Frisians from Holland, Vitones from central Spain. So I'm dressed as a Frisian. So I've got Germanic uh, thing. And where normally Roman military would have things like gods, like Jupiter and Mars and like that. I would go for Celtic side. So I've got images of things round about me. But I'm also, my period, I'm Christian, right? But I also wear pagan symbol, Medusa, because I edge me bets, right? Now, we, the cloak, big cloak with a big hood, the Romans didn't have a cloak like this till they came to Britain. It was invented by the Brits. And they'd pay more for this than they'd pay for their armour, because it keeps you dry and warm. My sword is twice as long as an ordinary sword, because I would be cavalry. So I need a long sword to reach down to people. And I wear my military belt. Every soldier wears a military belt. As a commander, if I walked around a fort or outside of a fort, and a man walked past me without his belt on, he would be executed. Because you had not to take your belt off. It was your insignia that you are a Roman soldier. And I wear trousers. Now these were called in Roman times feminalia, female garments. Because only women wore trousers. But... Because I ride a horse, I need to protect my legs. Also, I carry a pouch, a leather pouch, which would have bandages in it uh, and vein and artery clips because every soldier, even a commander, had a basic uh, training as a paramedic so they could look after other people. You joined the army and you did a 20-year apprenticeship which you learned everything from being a bricklayer to a vet and a medic. You were multi-skilled. And, and to think that far ahead, in the, in the Roman army that you would need all of those skills. The thing about the Roman army, um, no matter whether you were uh, the top general or you are an ordinary soldier, you had to train to fight the same and you had to learn all those skills. Um, and it was part of it. You couldn't be a, a senator in the Roman Senate unless you did three years in the army. So imagine today MPs having to do something like say, they took over the NHS, they'd have to do three years NHS before they could do it. Not a bad idea, really. Not bad, is it? <laughs> <laughs> but the helmet, mm -hmm. that's one thing we didn't discuss there. Mm -hmm. That looks heavy. Bronze, it is heavy. But once you've got it on, it's the same as the armour. It fits onto your body. Okay. And these would be produced in things called fabricas. And that's where you get fabrication from. Factories. Mm -hmm. They were the first people to mass produce by the thousand. And this helmet, it has Christian symbols on, the anchor and the fish. And it's, it's, it's funny, that coincidence. At Binchester, they found a Christian ring, a military one, with the anchor and two fish on. But this is telling people, the man that wears this is a Christian, mm -hmm. even though he's got a pagan symbol. So who, who makes the outfits for We you? make everything. Right, you do. So. Within the group. There's about seven of us all together. Mm -hmm. uh, we're all veterans, mm -hmm. as you can tell. But uh, we make everything. The only thing we don't do is the tents. Because when we set up a Live in History event, we have everything from the tents, the cooking utensils, everything. And we live as Romans for that weekend. You must enjoy it. You must love doing this. Oh, yes. It's big boys' toys, isn't it? Because uh -huh. I, 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 I look after the catapults. And it's quite good when you start to use them. Okay. And it really, the, the, the crowds, the people, really enthralled when they see things like that actually mm -hmm. operating. 
But this year we did something different. We, we showed people how Romans would set out a marching camp or a city. Um, and this is one thing which we always emphasize to people. Romans were very superstitious. If they crossed a stream or a river, they threw a coin into the water or a little gift. Because they thought if you drown, you, couldn't, you didn't drown because you couldn't swim. You drowned because little gods pulled you under. So you gave them a gift. Uh, the same as if they set up a city like London, they would sacrifice a bull, bury it in the ground, because they were given a gift to the earth for the, next, for the city. Then they would put, say, um, a block of stone with a hole in it. And they'd use a thing called a groma, which is it's a pole with a cross piece on with four plumb lines. And they set up your right angles. So you place that in that hole, and your streets are measured from that, and that's your city centre. And they found one in London, the original city centre. Question for you then. There's so much Roman history in and around Bishop Auckland. You know when you do those DNA tests? Yes. Is there a good chance that people like me from lived in my family have lived in this area all all our lives, really? Yes. Is there a good chance we've got a bit of Roman DNA now in our bloodstream? Hundred percent. Wow. Definitely. Now I've had my DNA done two years ago. Twenty percent of my DNA is from the Frisian Isles of Holland. And it's funny, I'm wearing a uniform. And I was wearing this uniform before I had the DNA test. So we know that somewhere down my line, I'm related to them. And yes, and they hope in the future, the possibility that the excavations they've done at Binchester in the cemeteries, when people visit, they can go do DNA samples and compare them to the burials. Now there's a challenge for, challenge yeah. for your family history. Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. But there must be in this area, because the period, you've got to imagine, from Elizabeth I, Tudor, to today, that's roughly the length of time the Romans were here. It's a long, long time. And in that time, it was so multicultural, especially in this area. If you had gone to Binchester in any period, it would have been like going to Heathrow Airport today. There were that many people coming in from all over the world, every single day. And a lot of them stayed here. And what do you think today we're multicultural? We're not. Not compared to them. But they accepted everybody. So if people wanted to get involved with the work that you do, maybe they fancied, um, I don't know, dressing up and doing the mm -hmm. reenactment, um, do you take new volunteers? Do you take new people? Oh, yes, yes. When we do uh, events at Binchester or others, if people come see us and ask if they want to join, that's when we normally do it. But, uh, and, we, and we don't advertise to do events. It's just all word of mouth and we... We can't cope with all the events. I bet. I bet it's really popular. Oh, I, yeah. As you said, I bet it really attracts the kids. It does. It yeah. does. And there's nothing like going, especially going to primary schools, and you see those children, and they're actually getting hold of Instead of reading it in a book or seeing the pictures, they're getting hold of it physically. There's nothing like that sensation and that feeling for those children to actually there. And we, we tried the helmets on. This morning... About children outside uh, trying the helmet on. Well, thank you very much for speaking to me today here on 105.9 Bishop FM, yeah. and I hope you enjoyed the rest of your day. And can I just say, I've got I've got one final question for you, um, for you and the other Roman soldiers. You've all headed indoors, um, and I can see I've looked out the window and it's been raining. You're not a bunch of softies, are you? No, the Romans. Uh, this is another fallacy. People always said, oh, well, the Romans didn't like being stationed in Britain. Romans actually stated that they liked Britain 
because the winters aren't too cold and the summers aren't too hot and you can grow anything. They actually like being here. Well, there's a, there's a line to end on, isn't there? Yes. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thank you for speaking to me. And uh, it's been lovely, lovely to talk to you. Thank you. You're listening to 105.9 Bishop FM with a special programme recorded at Bishop Auckland Town Hall on the day of the History Fair, part of the Bishop Auckland Heritage Action Zone Festival. Katie Elliott from Bishop FM spoke to Michelle Armstrong, Head of Volunteering at the Auckland Project. Michelle, can you tell us a little bit about what you have on the stall today and, and what you're um, promoting? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, as head of volunteering, I'm here to promote the fact that we do um, would, would like more volunteers. And we've got volunteering opportunities in all our visitor attractions um, and, and other things as well coming up in the future. So that's really, you know, I'm, I'm really keen to see more volunteers through. Um, But actually what we're also here to do is to tell people about the attraction. So if they're not ready to volunteer, have they been into the Spanish gallery? Have they been into Auckland Castle? Have they been into the mining art gallery? Have they seen the Dali in the Spanish gallery? Have they seen the El Greco in the Spanish gallery? There's so much to see. I know, and I haven't seen the Dali. I've been before the Dali and I was like, oh no, I haven't seen the Dali yet. The Dali is, it, it is extraordinary, it really is. It's the subject from a different angle and it's just, it's a beautiful painting, it's incredible. So if you haven't seen it, definitely worth a visit. But we've also just launched our uh, winter experience on our website. Ooh, tell me more. Well, I don't know a lot. Some of it's quite top secret, actually. Even staff aren't being told what it is. So it's watch this space sort of thing on social media. But what we are doing is we're going to have a big garland of dried flowers in the throne room, which will make the throne room of the castle look fantastic. It's all based around the castle. Um, There is a nativity scene. There is um, afternoon tea in the old library tea room that you can book. So there's a big package. So the best thing to do, to be honest, because I'm just getting up to speed with it as well, is um, the Auckland Project website and you can see all the uh, all the information on there. It's www.aucklandproject.org so that's for, you know, find out about, you know, becoming a friend of the Auckland Project, be a supporter, um, you know, find out all the different things that are going to be happening. So, yeah, and there's a lot of information on some of the history as well in there. And then also, also if you want to volunteer, because as I say, you know, we have opportunities to hang out with old masters in the Spanish gallery, tell stories about the castles, get to know mining artists, be the friendly face in our castle cafe, support with arts projects, gift shops, and, and, and just loads of other stuff, loads of opportunities. And that's the thing that we want to create. We want to create opportunities for people that they can choose to do. And that is via, our, well, best thing is to email us at volunteers at aucklandproject.org and we'll send you a link to the application form. That's amazing. And you have opportunities for pretty much anybody and no matter what their interests are. I think so, yeah. I think it's about a conversation. So if people think, oh, you know, they could get involved, let's have a conversation. Let's see what you, you want to do and let's see if we can help. That's amazing because, you know, conversations spread the word and network and it's, it's amazing what you can do after a little conversation. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you very much indeed. As part of the History Fair, Tom Hutchinson led a guided walk around Bishop Auckland looking at various sites associated with Stan Laurel's stay in Bishop Auckland. And here are some highlights from that walk. So basically you've, you've got to imagine that the Tenter Street continued up here 
and you had tourist houses on both sides and the Jeffersons from 1889 when they came here uh, were boarders in one of these tourist houses and there were some reason, one or two reasonable sized houses up on, on the right hand side in particular wasn't there in Tenter Street. Right this is on the right you've got St Peter's Church which is no longer a consecrated building it's now a sort of a community center and this is very very recent it probably closed about five years ago or something i mean it is a modern church 1875 so stan was originally christened here in october 1891 which when of course i mean by then he was 16 months old we don't know whether in fact he was christened in the church or whether the vicar went across there and you'll see the plaque in more detail in a minute to number 66 and christened him at home which which is a distinct possibility they they, they could do that well, the what, what denomination was the church so this, we're, we're now on the, the site of the Eden Theatre. And this is Stan's statue, sculpted by uh, Robert Ollie, who also did the Laurel and Hardy statue in North Shields. As far as I'm concerned, if you went to the Eden, it was, it was a flea pit. It, it was a dump. Oh, it was in the fifties. I thought it was. Hey, it was, there was nothing in comparison with the Odeon or, e, or even the King's Hall. Come on. Now, from here, you can see the original facade of the 1864 Grammar School building. Above that 20 sign. Now, if, if you look to the edge, they've, they've built out about another yard on each side. So all you've got left of the school is that, is that sort of facade. You can go in when they open. Probably the date is supposedly the end of October. And this is where they used to board. Stan was a boarder. Now, the, the school register we have is from January 1902 for about six months. But the, the story is that he was here 18, about 18 months. We don't really know, to be honest. But he's on the register and his father, and we're talking about early 1900s, the Jeffersons had moved to North Shields by then. So his father's name is identified and where they lived in North Shields, which was Ayrton House in North Shields, which is long, long gone. Um, so stands here boarding 40 miles from North Shields. He didn't learn anything here. So his father sent him to a private school at Gainford, which is on the Tees, which is another 30 miles in the wrong direction. He was here supposedly from 1902 to 1903 and then his father sent him to Gainford which was a private school which funnily enough by then 
were suffering by comparison with Barnet Castle School in terms of attracting pupils. He wasn't in Gainford very long. There's no register information from, from Gainford. Um, but there is a letter. This is April 11th, 1958, from Malibu in California, where he lived. He'd retired by then. Uh, Ollie had died. D and Miss and Mrs Short. Uh, I'll probably praise it. Many thanks for your nice letter of March 31st. Blah, blah, blah. Very thoughtful of you and much appreciated. Um, now, this Mr and Mrs Short, Mrs Short, she knew him as a schoolboy on North Tyneside. Anyway, uh, funny thing, and he's referring to an article. The article mentions that the pantomime opened in Bishop Auckland, Durham. That was another of my dad's theatres, which he leased for several years, the Eden Theatre. And I used to board at the King James Grammar School in BA, which is still in existence, which it was. I think I have the honour of being the worst scholar that ever attended there. Um, good luck, God bless, sincerely old Stan Laurel. He, he'd, respond, he'd respond to anybody and he was a, a good typist. I mean his older brother Gordon lived in London and Stan was with him for, for a while. But he, and this was 1958. Ollie had been dead three years and Stan lived to, um, when did he live to? 665. Right now we can pop over and look at the plaque and you can see the layout of this place so when it's open you'll be able to get as near as you're going to get to the plaque. So when Stan was here, the family are in Dockray Square in North Shields which is where the Laurel and Hardy statue is just above the fish key, on the height above the fish key. And there was 1901, there's Arthur, his wife Madge, who was two years older, Gordon, who was 16, Stan, who was 10, and the mother-in-law was there, Sarah Metcalf, who was Madge's mother. Um, they came from uh, Yorkshire. The mother-in-law was born in Hawes in North Yorkshire. One nurse and two servants. This is in 1901. I mean by then <coughs> Arthur was the theatre lessee about with about six theatres. Blythe, Concert, North Shields, um, still Bishop Auckland I think but he, he, that was the centre of his operations. But come 1905, when Stan's come up to 15, the Jefferson family are in Glasgow. Now, Glasgow, Bishop Auckland, size of places, right? His father was the manager and lessee of the Metropole Theatre in the centre of Glasgow. <coughs> that theatre's gone, but uh, the site's still there. But Stan's mother died in 1908 in, in Glasgow when he was uh, 18. 
There is one other plaque. What time is it? I think if you're quite happy, we won't try and go up there. There is one other plaque. Um, that is a British film industry plaque. Before that, the Laurel and Hardy tent in Bishop had a brass plaque done. That is now, it was on there, is now in the reception of the Academy. I mean, just to put it in, in context, if, if you're not from Bishop, this was the boys' grammar school, King James I, with buildings behind, separate to that, and building there. Then you had the boys' football fields. Then you had the girls' school, and never the twain shall meet. Now, the girls' school dates from 1910. This school was originally founded in 1605, though that's 1864. Um, they kept the girls' school buildings going when they amalgamated them. These eventually were knocked down. And of course, they then got rid of the football fields there and the academies built on what was the football fields. And the other, the sports fields are behind which were actually developed to some extent when we were there. Behind, you go down the River Gornless and you've got the cemetery along to the right. Um, so that is the only thing really connected with Stan, which is still there. And, and it looks, I, I think it's a good job, I think, as, we, as we've already said. You've been listening to a special programme from the Bishop Auckland Heritage Action Zone Festival with Gillian Campbell and Katie Elliott, who were talking to Les Shoulder, Michelle Armstrong, Julius Adrianus and Tom Hutchinson. I'm Gary Burgum. Thank you for listening.